God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. I'm not going to be overwhelmed. God, I'm going to look to you and I won't be overwhelmed by the magnitude of who you are. I won't be overwhelmed by the magnitude of truth that is contained within the depths of his living scriptures. I won't be overwhelmed when I'm confronted with a reality of God that I may not understand in my mind. It won't make me run away from you or make me run to you. I won't be overwhelmed by my confusion. I won't be overwhelmed by you because the reality is God is so huge and he's so infinite and, and, and his ways, the Bible says, are not our ways, but we can understand his ways as we seek him and press into him. You know, what is, and I've said this before, what is contained with at the cross and through the cross is truly phenomenal. That Jesus said, I've come to bring life and life of an abundance and I won't be overwhelmed by the reality of the person that you are conforming me or shaping me to become. Sometimes truth can be so overwhelming, we can look at it and we can write it off because in our minds we limit the, the fact that that's possible. That's just too big a mountain for me to even conceive. It's just too big of a mountain for me to either think about. So it's overwhelming me, which means I'm going to walk away or just maybe not even want to even hear it or think about it. I won't be overwhelmed. So Lord, give me vision. That is not vision of just a little statement and without this sort of vision, without knowing him, loving others, walking together, the people perish. That is, give me eyes to see you. It's prophetic sight from the heart because the Spirit of God has revealed the enormity of who He is and His plans for us. That very thing can overwhelm me if I'm not anchored in Christ and I'm not growing in in a relationship with Christ. It's the very knowing of the Christ that enables me to stand firm and stay in that posture while the mystery of Christ doesn't overpower me. You see, it's it's the knowing of Jesus Christ that enables me to walk in an alignment into the mysteries of God by faith. It's very hard to walk into the mysteries of God and have those mysteries revealed if my knowledge of Jesus is limited because they're so big they can overwhelm me. They can actually derail me. So I can be content but be discontently content. I'm content with where I'm at, but I'm discontently content because I want to move towards a greater reality of God. And I won't be overwhelmed by that reality. I will run to it. And so if there's someone or a people in my life and the life of Christ is coming forth from them more than me, I won't be overwhelmed by them. I will run to them and say, my goodness, this is amazing that you're in this place. Can I walk with you? And maybe some of what's on you may rub off on me. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. See, they never ran away from him. They kept running to him, asking questions. Do you know who this guy is that calms the waves and the wind? 
They ran to him. They weren't overwhelmed that the God was walking on the planet. They ran to him. And they said, Lord, give us vision to see the things you see. And he did. It says he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. You see, God has to open up our minds to understand him and his purposes and his scriptures. I cannot just understand this book without the revelation of the Spirit of God. I cannot understand this book without the illumination of the Spirit of God. That knowledge will just puff me up rather than create a heart of humility and love and grace and passion and power in the Christ. Open up our minds, Father, to understand you, your purposes, and your scriptures. And we see he did. And you see this constant battle in the disciples. Who is this guy? Well, he was telling them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Philip goes, well, show us the Father. Okay, you didn't hear that one. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Show us the Father. See, he needed to unlock their minds to understand the living reality. Give me, I love it, give me vision, give me prophetic sight, give me insight to be able to see from in you and your ways like you do. Because until I can see like God, I'm possibly going to create my own pathways. I'm going to see Kirk, like I see him, maybe not as God sees him. I won't see the gift on you guys. What I might see is your frailties or your lack. And you might see my lack. But if I can see the God on you and you can see the God on me, give me eyes to see, Greg Simnel, give me eyes to see you guys as God sees. Guess what that does? creates a oneness in the spirit and a one body coming together. But if I can't see that, you know what that does? Because all our agendas get in the way. But I, 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 I. But what about me, 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 me? Well, you're a dead person and we don't exist. Hey, the day I invited Christ into my life, I died. And I went, I no longer have an agenda. I no longer have a will. I'm completely sold out to your agenda and your will. So Father, give me eyes, give me vision, give me prophetic sight to be able to understand you, your purposes, who I am in you. And I'm not going to be overwhelmed by that reality and I'm going to move in it. And as I move in it, I believe by faith the Holy Spirit which you sent for me is going to lead me into all truth. Not a bit, all truth. Do we want to be led into all the truth? Who is truth? Christ. Where is the inheritance and the life found? In Christ. In Christ was life, and that life was the light of men. Let me say that again. In Christ was life. That life is the light in men. Where's the light of the world? Who is the light of the world? He is and we are. Where's the life? In men. Christ in you determines your light. 
So let's get to know Him. Because the Bible says in Colossians that all the treasures of hidden wisdom and knowledge are contained in Him. Lord, give me vision today to see as you see so I can enter into, let go of me and grab hold of you and come into the reality of the thing called the kingdom which exists now. I don't have to pray for it, it's here. I have to be able to see it through the insight of my heart and let go of me to enter into it. And if we all do that, you know what the outcome is? Oneness of the Spirit in Him. And the Bible says when a world would see that, they would believe that Jesus was sent for them. Now, is that a big ask? Let's be honest, is that a huge ask? I think it is. But are we going to be overwhelmed by that? No. Because the Bible says with God all things are possible. We try and go there in our flesh and us, we're doomed. We play this game called conformity. Where we conform to patterns and ideas and we build man-made structures and we call that unity. That's conformity. That's not of the spirit, that's of the flesh. So God says, if you really want to live this out, it's found one in me and everyone has to go through the same process of the Spirit. Which means everyone has to commit to going this. I'm leaving me at the door. Wherever that is, I'm leaving me there. I'm dead. I'm still in that pool. I'm in that water. Drowning. I'm dead. And the new me gets up and we all walk together committed to being one in Spirit. I've created you in my image. The images of the Spirit. We've got a lot to uncover and a lot to look at. And, well, by the way, welcome to the rock. (laughs) Notices will be at the end. Um, But welcome if you're with us for the first time. But we've got a lot to uncover. And, And if you are new, we've been... Over the last two weeks, I think it is, of about four messages, looking at this whole thing called unity, oneness in Him. And we're always, we speak, we're going to be unpacking this. And God's been showing up a lot, a lot to me about this whole thing. And so that we've got a lot to wrestle with. We've got a lot to contend for. There's a lot. You know, Jacob wrestled with God. He wrestled with Him. See, I'm not going anywhere until I receive from you what I came for. Do we wrestle with God? Do we wrestle over the things that we don't understand? Or do we just write them off? Or pretend they're not there? It's easier to pretend they don't exist, isn't it? Nah, we've got to wrestle with the things that maybe we don't understand. But today, I hope I can get to it. I want to talk about why. Before I look at the what, the how, the who, why? Why, when Jesus is in the, going just before his death in John 17, why is it that Jesus Christ, who's the high priest, God of the universe, why does God pray that we, why does God pray that the disciples of the past, current, and future would be one? Why? We don't understand the why. 
We get off track, don't we? Plenty of businesses know what they do and how they do it. They've forgotten their why. The why is the most essential. It's the why that's the motivating factor. Why follow God? Because he is love. He is the creator. I know that. Why do we do what we do? Why do we turn up here week in, week out? Why do we give thousands of dollars away? Why are we looking to give $10,000 away into our community? Why do we do these crazy things? Why would you live for someone else and not yourself? Why? It makes no sense to the flesh. In the spirit, it makes every sense. Because the life that's found when you and I commit to being one in spirit is profound. It'll set us all free to a measure that we are not yet in today. So he prays this prayer. He could have prayed anything, couldn't he? He could have prayed anything. But the thing on his heart is he prays that past, present, and future disciples would be one. He says, in us. Just think about that for a minute. We would be one in him and his father who are one. One plus one plus one equals one. I was never sharp at school, but I figured that one out in the spirit. In the flesh, one plus one plus one equals three. But in the spirit, one plus one plus one equals one. Let me read you John 17, 20 to 21. That's the first slide. James, do your best to follow me today. I appreciate that. I've set my timer as well. Although I've not spoken for 10 minutes already. John 17, 20 to 21. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. I'm not asking just on behalf of these men right now today. He says, but for those also who believe in me through their word, which is us and people that will come after us, that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Here's this bond of oneness again, that they also may be in us, past, present, future, disciples of Christ, in the Father and Son, so that the world may believe that you sent me. How phenomenal is that? Now, the challenge for us and the opportunity for us as his people is to live that to a measure where the reality, the literal reality would be that a world would know that Jesus was sent for them. That's the goal. That's a big ask. That's a huge ask. That's like saying that mountain has got to move today. And I'm staring at the mountain and it's Mount Everest. It's 29,000 feet. That thing is going to move from there to there. Or the problem that I'm facing today, the issue that I've got in my life today, this is so huge. Can it be done? Well, yes with him, no with me. And if you and I can walk and it is possible, 
I wanted to clear that today. The language of the kingdom is one of praise and possibilities. The glass is always half full, never half empty. It's a language of moving forward. It never looks back. It presses on. It never says, I can't. I can with Christ who strengthens me accomplish all things, the Bible says. It's not me that's doing it. It's the Christ in me. What I need to do is submit to him and his processes. He will take over and form that in me. And then my whole head will be renewed and my language shift, which means my actions are completely different. So it is completely possible for you and I to walk in a oneness of the Spirit. Why? Because He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's given us His living Scriptures. He's given us Himself and He's given us one another. He does not leave anything to task so there are no excuses. Oh Lord, but I just got married and so I want to go there. Lord, I've just bought a new tractor so I want to go over there. I want to go on my holiday because I want to go over there. No excuses. Now, hear what I'm saying? God leads all that and I'm into holidays and I'm into tractors and I'm into getting married. (laughs) Seek first though the kingdom and let me add all those things unto you. Seek first my whole paradigm of thinking. Let me see as you see. I want a culture of the kingdom. That's why it's already here. You see, I we keep praying for things that have arrived. Jesus said, your kingdom is here. Repent. Change the complete way you think. It's already here. My coming kingdom is coming. And it looks radically different to this one, but the one you're praying for has already arrived. The problem is we don't have eyes to see it. So we keep praying for something that has already arrived. And you will never understand it in your logical head. It needs to be taken off, renewed by the Spirit. The mind of Christ is a renewed mind through Christ. Not me trying to understand it through my old carnal thinking. He said, it's here. Now enter into it, Nicodemus. You must be born of spirit to see it. Born of obedience, you die to enter into it. But it is here. So walk in the oneness of spirit that I bought and paid for and I sent to you. So it's all possible. But it is a big Ask, because self, there's no place for self in it. And that's the journey, isn't it, of eradicating self. I can't do it. I cannot eradicate me. Anyone tried? It's called religion. No, the problem is God has to be bigger than me for me to become less. That's why John says, Lord, increase so I can decrease. Give me eyes to see you through the prophetic revelation so I just happen to fall away. Because I need something bigger than me for that to happen. If I don't, guess who's going to dominate? Me. And my ways. And my thinking will define it, which means I speak a language, which means my lifestyle revolves around that. So, Lord, give me vision to see. Give us vision to see, Lord. Give us vision to understand. Open up our minds today to understand what is being declared into the atmosphere. Father, open up my mind, my heart, to understand you in ways that I've not yet even entertained. And there is any stinking thinking in my mind or any attitude in my heart that's not of you, please, Lord, show me so I can repent of it and come back into an alignment with you right now.
Oneness in the Spirit. Why did He pray for it? One, so a world would believe, not just know, now believe that He was sent for them. That's massive. That would be big enough, but there's more than that. And I'm just going to read this out because I've thought about the words to this. It is also my own personal conviction today, my own conviction of my own intimacy with the Father, that along with this reason of a world would believe, greatest evangelistic strategy out. Isn't it? When you read Scripture through the eyes of him, you start realizing that I did a few things slightly off whack. Yeah, only a few. You know, it says he will draw all men to himself. He says, my role is to be a witness. So there's no pressure in that. I just have to give testimony to Christ. And it says he comes to seek and save the lost. It doesn't say I do. He does. You don't want to understand even that passage. I'm not going to that today, but God, give me vision to see my role. Because I share this with you. I was doing a lot of his role and not realizing it. And man, that just piles you up with stuff. It certainly wasn't freedom. It felt like burdens. Is anyone looking, God? Are you looking? Yeah, what are you doing? And so, this is my own conviction today. That not only did Jesus pray for oneness for that, but he also prayed for a oneness of spirit, a culture of oneness, a people of spirit and truth, because as we say yes and amen to this process of allowing the kingdom of God, the transformational work of his spirit and his truth to be working in us firstly and then through us, and those things happen at the same time, but as we actually submit to allowing his lordship for us, for him allowing us to be Lord, not just in word, but in action, and allowing him to define every attitude and motive that we have that's not of him becoming us, and from that place stepping out with the life of Christ in you because this transformation has happened. So when you do speak, there is authority because you know the name of. It's not just in verbal. You know him. So when you speak of the person you know, there's real power and authority. To move things, shift things. Living realities move and shift when those people walk into a room. The kingdom has arrived in and through the living body of Christ. So when we commit to that process and we allow it to be established, what happens is we are being set apart unto Him. We are being prepared for a marriage ceremony. And I've been talking this, and I'm going to talk it again, and talk it again, and talk it again. And so the living reality starts to click. Give me eyes to see the bride, eyes to see, understand it in a way, not in my head, in my heart first, then in my mind, that completely changes the way I'd live, because I'm being prepared unto a marriage unto Christ. You see, once again, do I have a head knowledge or a living knowledge? Is it something in my head that I go, yeah, that's beautiful, that's nice, but you know what? It doesn't change me. It doesn't motivate me. It doesn't inspire me. I'm the same person. There's nothing different. That's just head knowledge that puffs you up. We have to come into a living knowledge 
My goodness, I'm changing. I'm literally changing. I'm experiencing freedom. Year ago, I would have reacted like this. I'm actually going to love on that person, this attitude, this thing that's coming at me. Whatever it is, I'm going to be more generous this year than last year because I've got a living reality of something and I'm moving towards it. Because I can see it, give me vision to see as you see. So a set of partners and then there's a, an awaiting through that of reigning with Christ in his kingdom over a thousand years. So you wanna, you ask me why he prayed that? Number one, he prayed that so a world would believe that Jesus was sent not only for us, but for the world, for them. Number two, that the kingdom of God would be established in the heart and through them, in the mind, sorry, the heart and mind and through the church. Number three, that as that happens, he prays because he knows his bride is being prepared unto that day. Spotless, wrinkle-free, blameless. And number four, that the church, that church, those people, his people would reign with him in a thing called the millennial reign for a thousand years. There's your why. I believe my personal conviction is today. I would put that in front of you and I would say this, don't believe it, but be like this. Be like a Berean who hears it with an anticipation and excitement and open heart and open mind and then goes and searches the Scriptures to see if it's true. So I'm not saying believe what Greg says. That is my intimate relationship with Christ. I believe Christ has led me to that reality. What I'm asking you to do today is not write it off. Don't go rubbish. Be open enough, be humble enough to go, whoa, never seen that, maybe never heard of that, maybe been living in that for the last 20 years. Greg, where you been, you donkey? Man, I've been living like that for the last 50 years of my life. Awesome. I'm catching up. But be like a brain, go to the Word, the living Word, and say, God, open up my mind so I can understand your Scriptures. I'm also going to read this to you today as well. And once again, this is just me personally. But I also carry the conviction that right here is the macro will of God for his people. We no longer have to ask ourselves what the will of God is for our lives or go on a search looking for it. In fact, Romans 12.2 teaches us that if our minds are being renewed by his spirit, we will prove the will of God. That's interesting, eh? So... Go look at it, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Be renewed by the transformation of your mind so you'll be able to prove the will of God. Don't have to ask, oh, what's the will of God for my life? Well, I believe I just told you. The Bible says that if your mind is being renewed, you'll be able to prove it. So the question is, if we're asking ourselves what the will of God is, that means we can't prove it. We haven't possibly yet come into an understanding because our minds haven't been opened up via the Holy Spirit to be able to prove to others what the will of God is. That's a powerful word, isn't it? Prove. Prove. Paul was proving things. He said, I've been revealed to Christ. I'm, I'm coming to tell you what truth is. Please hear me. I am not comparing myself to Paul. 
But prove means I'm going to prove to you through the Scriptures that this is true. It's not a good idea. He says like, we can prove what the will of God is. And so this is why I suggest to us today why Jesus prayed for oneness in the Spirit with Him, His Father, and one another so we can all partake of it. Who wants to partake of it? Do we want all that God has for us? See, these are the big questions, aren't they? Do I want everything that was paid for at that cross? Or am I happy to settle for 50% of it? Because the other 50% scares the living jeebies out of me. And I don't want to look at that because I'm quite comfortable with the 50% I'm in. Nothing wrong with that. But I don't know. Like, when I played football, being on the bench, who wanted to be on the bench? You play football to play football, not to watch football. You want to experience the reality of the game. You want to experience lifting the trophy. You want to experience the passing of the ball that puts someone else in who scores the goal that wins the game for the team. You don't want to watch it, do you? And God died on a cross so you and I could experience the fullness, all truth of what he died for us as one to come into. But my battle is I have this mind, I have this my way right in my own eyes that gets in the way of that. I don't know about anybody else, but my mind, I think sometimes, but I'm right. Yeah, right in your own eyes. And if King David could say this, God, remove the false way from me. The man, anyone else being given the title, the man after my own heart? <laughs> what a title to be given. Imagine God saying that about you. You are the person with my heart. You're a man after my own heart. And the man who has a heart like God says, remove the false way from me. I've realized that half of me, some of me is out of alignment to your ways. God, give me vision to see as you see so the church can come into oneness. Why did Jesus pray for oneness? Number one, so a world would believe that Jesus was sent for them. Number two, so the kingdom of God could be established in and through the church. Sacrificial, selfless people laying their lives down for God and others. Big ask. Woo, what a challenge. So the bride would be prepared unto him, set apart. Caleb, you have a way different spirit than the other ten guys that walked in. They were all Jewish, all from Israel. Your spirit's different, son. Caleb, you see things that the other ten didn't. You speak a language that the other ten didn't. And thousands had an accident because of the language that other people spoke. The bride would be prepared. Virgins, five entered, five didn't are set apart. Nothing to do with heaven or hell. Everything to do with inheritance. Jesus is returning with a reward for his church. We will all be exposed on a day of judgment and whatever we have done will be exposed. 
This Bible says loss, here's some gain. A preparation unto and in a reigning with him back here for a period of time. What a phenomenal why. Lord, I pray that these men today would be one as we are one of the Spirit, not of the flesh, of the Spirit. And I pray that everyone that hears their word thousands of years into the future would maintain this oneness, not 30,000 denominations later, but a oneness of Spirit. See, this challenges my core. This challenges everything to be one with Him and you. It'll challenge every agenda that I have. It'll challenge every insecurity I have. It'll challenge every pride or ego I have. It'll challenge who I think I am. All those things will be challenged. But it's possible for the church to walk in oneness and receive the fullness of what the Father has. Otherwise, he's a liar. And my word says he doesn't lie. So there's, once again, what I believe and the conviction that I carry. Not a belief, a conviction that is changing the way I live. Changing the way I see. Changing the way I speak. Changing the way I love. Changing the way I posture myself. Changing the way I, I, that, that I interact with people. Changing the way that, that everything because he's revealed something of a why as to why we would be one. You see, when you don't have an agenda, you can't get hurt. Can you? You can't hurt a dead person. They're dead. When we can see the greater reality, Abraham saw Christ before Christ ever was physically on the earth. Two and a half thousand years later, how does that happen? Go read John. That Abraham saw Christ. Now we know Christ existed before Abraham. How does Abraham see Christ before Christ ever manifests himself in a person? Because he's in the spirit. He sees a city being built in the new heavens and the new earth. How does he ever see that? And he receives the promise of that in his now. And he's moving towards that reality. Not just the land of inheritance, not just the sun, but the promise for the future. You take out the future, you take out the empowerment that God has for his church. You don't preach biblical prophecy, you throw it out, guess what? You throw out the very life source that God gives for his people. We're to be a people of the now and the future, not just the now. I'm living here for 80 years and I'm looking forward to the day I'm gone. Man, if I had a choice now, I'd be gone. Seriously, I'd be out of here. Paul wrestled with that. He wrestled. I don't know whether to stay or go. I know if I stay, it'll actually be good for me. That's what he actually says first off. If I stay, it'll be good for me. Greater transformation. I really want to go. I've seen some things. Oh, man, I want to enjoy it. Why does Christ pray for oneness? So a world would actually see and believe that God was sent. That the kingdom of God would be established firmly in us. Jesus said the kingdom is in you. Stop looking for signs. Stop looking for the rain. Stop looking for the clouds. It's in. It's already in. My kingdom has come. 
whoom, change the way you think, it's arrived. Christ in us is the hope of glory. So allow me to do the work of my spirit, which once again, that word Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, means wine press. There's a crushing. It has to be done of, the, of my will, the way I think. And I come into this kingdom reality. And God gives us pictures. Nicodemus and Christ. He says, the man of the flesh trying to understand the man of the spirit. Isn't it? It's a beautiful picture of the mind of the flesh cannot understand the things of the spirit. How do I get, how does that work? And yet we see Nicodemus become a follower of Christ. Now that doesn't mean, I don't know, did he come into that great understanding? Who knows? Hopefully. So the kingdom is transforming us and the life of Christ is in us. You want the life of Christ manifesting out of you? No? Being set apart. God is no respecter of persons when it comes to his macro plan. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm, I've invited all to partake of. And the Bible says many are called, but few are actually chosen. We've got to contend with this stuff. We have to contend. We've got to wrestle with God for what he's saying. Not just pretend it doesn't exist because it, I don't know. I did that for years. Oh, I don't like that. I don't know. Why would he put it in the book? <laughs> and then to reign with him. Come to Ephesians 4. So Ephesians 4.17. The Nasby calls it the Christian's walk. The disciples walk. Ephesians 4.17 So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your where? Mind. Really? I thought it was just in my heart. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We are justified by his blood. Justified, sanctified. Then he says, enter into a process of sanctification where you take my living word, you take my script, living, sorry, my living scriptures, my son, and my Holy Spirit, true worship is worship in spirit and truth, and allow this complete metamorphosis thing to take place. 
I've bought you. That's what grace empowers. Grace empowers the transformation of coming into. A greater reality which births the life of Christ in me, which manifests out of me, and people see Christ. I don't know when Jesus is returning, but what I do know is this. A world is going to need to see a church that has the hope of the world in them. The church is going to need to see a church that has the hope of the world in them. The living reality of what I've said. Yeah? And so he's given us this example here of how our minds must be renewed in the spirit because give me eyes to see as you see. And I won't be overwhelmed by a reality that exists because I know you and I'm moving towards why again? Why did Jesus pray a prayer of oneness? Why did he pray this prayer of oneness, oneness, oneness? Could have prayed any prayer, but Lord, I pray that my people would be one in us. I pray that they would be one in us. I pray for past, present, future disciples who would be one in us. Why? So a world could see me in them. 500 people, 400 people, 10,000 people with the living Christ, the life of Christ emanating out. Do you know what people see on the earth? Him. And the Bible says that people, the Lord added to this community daily. But there were other people in awe. It was so incredible that people were actually in a sort of this weird fear thing. Holy moly, look at these people. Have you seen this love? Have you seen this generosity? You want to know what unity looks like? It's oneness in spirit. It looks like laying your life down for him and other people. It means putting yourself second all the time behind everything else and modeling him. I'm going to build a church on the earth and they're going to look like this, Greg. Whoa. Is there an exit plan? I'm looking for the door. I don't know if I want to be part of that. That, that, not a lot of place in that for, there is life in that, Greg. There is vitality in that, son. There is me in that. I'm in that. The life coming from within. No longer going from one conference to the next looking for a buzz. No looking, going from one message to another looking for something. No longer trying to suck the life out of someone else to try and find it. Found in the Christ. The Christ and the Christ alone. So today, repent. Because is it, it is it at hand. And enter into this process together as one people. Because you'll need to be one to walk in it together. You cannot do it on your own. Encourage one another daily. Walk into it. And allow me to start to shape it in the spirit. Um, I might leave it there. I've got such good other stuff to say, but that he's shown me. Maybe I'll get to that someday. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Let's just pray. 
Lord, as that song says, we're not going to be overwhelmed by you and your reality. You've presented it, died for us to engage in it. And so, Lord, what we ask for today is eyes of the heart to see, to be enlightened, as Paul said, to the reality of it. Lord, your son prayed a prayer. The high priest, the God of the universe, you said everything comes through your son. Nothing has come into being that hasn't come through Christ. Nothing at all. And this person that left perfection, seeing the mess that man had made, entered into the mess, didn't run away or take himself out of the mess, ran into the mess. And in the midst of the mess, engaged with it. He tasted it. He felt it. He smelt it. He allowed himself to be killed by it. And he entered in and he praised this incredible prayer that those that follow me, those that lay their lives down, would be one. That they would be one with us. And they would be in us, Lord, my Father. And that they would do your will. Not their own, but your will. And through finding your will would find their purpose. And they would find the Spirit-led acts as they hear and obey your voice, Father. And they are different for every person. Similar and different. But they are defined by my Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that you gave your life and then took it back after three days so we can find the life in the cross, through the cross, and experience the resurrected power of the cross now and be moving towards an eternal reality now. Seeing it from afar, but receiving it now. And allowing that sight to build faith to move towards. The kingdom of God is rapidly advancing for everyone who lays hold of it. And it is an internal transformation of a person firstly. And then through that person you'll see the works manifested and the life of Christ as we hear and obey. God, give us ears to hear and obey. Give us a spirit to hear and obey. Give us a mind that says yes and amen.